Hole in the World, 1999. Artist Unknown. Unknown Materials. Attention! Please be mindful of the safety barriers around this collection item. Thank you for your understanding and compliance. At first glance, the title of this piece tells you all that you may think you need to know. For it is, in fact, a hole. A perfect circle nearly three feet in diameter, smack dab in the middle of the floor. Straightforward, yes? And perhaps undeserving of such a grand title, or even its inclusion in the Godfrey Estate collection for that matter. After all, it could just be an architectural failure, a weak point in the building's construction. But if this is in fact just a hole, why so many safety precautions? Why the barriers and so many signs imploring you to keep your distance? Why wouldn't the estate just fix it if it were merely the result of an aging building? The answer is both simple and not. For this hole is not just that. It is a void. One whose dimensions remain impossible to measure despite our staff's best efforts. Assuming, of course, that this void, once you pass through its clearly defined boundary on the floor, even has an ending or edge. If it does, it has not been discovered anywhere on the estate grounds. It certainly does not continue through to the ceiling of the gallery directly below this one, as might be expected. Its depths were initially tested with a long length of rope with a weight at the end, which staff members lowered into the void. They ran out of rope before anything made contact with the weighted end. Others have theorized that this is a secondary sinkhole for collecting new member signups, which materialized during a dip in recruitment. A compelling idea, but one debunked by the distinct lack of earthquakes when prospective members dropped their vials of blood and tears into its depths. Our staff therefore concluded that this void is unrelated to the bottomless sinkhole located next to the membership desk. Any patrons interested in becoming a member of the estate can find it below the foundation of the central building. But back to the piece itself. If contemplating a literal void with no business being here alarms or disquiets you, there is a counselor on standby within the gallery to help walk you through the sudden upswell of existential dread or any other feelings experienced during your tour today. This service was put in place after a particularly memorable visit from some famous, though for privacy's sake, unnamed guests. According to staff present for this moment, these individuals were so disturbed by the inexplicability of this piece and its larger implications that they had to be escorted off the premises and observed by psychiatric professionals for the remainder of the day. On a wholly unrelated note, to answer a common question, the estate can neither confirm nor deny that the Eagle Song of the same name has any connection to this piece. All this to say, we recognize that not everyone is ready to talk through such challenging emotions. So, as an alternative means of making this anomaly less frightening, we've created a game out of it. Because making light of your trauma is just as good as unpacking it with a professional. Just ask the gallery attendant for a pack of small rubber balls that you can throw into the void. Anyone who can sink 10 consecutive shots will earn a voucher for a free dessert in the cafeteria. What? You're not interested? Are you sure? All right, suit yourself.
Attention, Godfrey guests. Attention. We have another update in the ongoing situation with Green Woman emerges from mid-century modern wall. As you may have guessed, she has moved once again. It is the most drastic change in her posture to date. She has straightened her body, which now runs perfectly parallel to the floor, for her feet remain connected to the wall. And, and, she has turned her whole body to face the viewing area, which, of course, remains cordoned off for safety reasons. Yet despite this recent development, our staff now find it even more difficult to study her. They report straining to focus their eyes only to have their gaze slip past her form as soon as they think they've caught her in their sights. Many have developed migraines after repeated failed attempts to look at her directly. Perhaps this is a defense mechanism? Activated now that her naked figure is on more obvious display? Or perhaps the lurid pattern of green and white simply becomes an even more effective camouflage in her current position? Though, is this for protection? Or a means to watch and lay in wait? If the latter, lay in wait for what? As always, please stay tuned for further updates. Untitled, 2003-2004 Judith Scott, Fiber and Found Objects The amount of texture and detail in this work can be overwhelming at first. A fiber sculpture of a massive, interconnected tangle of objects and string, which fills the shopping cart that serves as its frame and support structure. Its sheer volume would even overflow the bounds of this framework, if not for that dense, fibrous web that permeates all parts of the piece and binds it to the cart. Scott's choice of mostly cream-colored fibers and objects with neutral hues only adds to the mystery of this work. But a few accents of color, some strands of blue and hot pink string, plus the red corners of the otherwise silver shopping cart, break up the neutral palette and provide some chromatic contrast. Beyond all this, Another interesting detail is that the cart lacks its two front wheels, and therefore the entire sculpture tips slightly forward, resting on the front bar of the lower tray. A more fanciful interpretation of this fact might posit that those missing wheels shot out from beneath the weight of this massive sculpture and rolled away. Perhaps lost forever? Or perhaps found and included in someone else's creative endeavors? But whether the cart came to Scott in this state or if she removed the wheels herself, is uncertain. Scott's own interpretations of her work are likewise uncertain. Born with Down syndrome, she neither spoke nor used sign language, and it wasn't until her twin sister Joyce became her legal guardian that she discovered fiber as an art form and means of self-expression. And express she did. The volume of detail in this sculpture is indicative of the intricacies found in the rest of her prolific body of work but the scale of this piece is of particular note. One could spend countless hours trying to chart the interweaving fiber threads as they connect, then change course, then connect and divert again, all across and within the structure. So many meetings and branchings off into new directions, so many that it is impossible to know just how numerous they are, for the bulk of them lie within the center of that mass of fiber and found objects. Infinite, tangled combinations that wait, 
unknown at the heart of this piece, where it is impossible to discover them. For to try, to follow where they lead and unravel them just for the sake of knowing, is to destroy them. To untangle the carefully crafted web that Scott so painstakingly assembled is to make it less. It must, therefore, remain a mystery, at least in part. And besides, this work has plenty to say. Let it keep a few secrets. Thank you for listening to the Godfrey Audio Guide. This episode was written, produced, and performed by Nicole Knutson, with sound design and editing by James Ferrero. It was produced on unceded Tongva and Chumash territory. Enjoying your trip to the estate? Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on your podcast app of choice. And consider telling a friend about us, or two, or three, or everyone you know. For information on episode transcripts, ways to support the show, and where to follow us online, please visit our website, thegodfreeaudioguide.com. Until next time, friends, see you back at the museum.